Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. And thanks so much for tuning in to this episode on this lovely Friday morning or afternoon or evening or night or whenever you're choosing to turn on this podcast. I'm just happy you're here to share a cup of coffee with me and discuss the Bible with me. So yeah, we're going to be in Deuteronomy 1 today, finishing up this chapter and moving into Deuteronomy 2 on Monday. So just some quick housekeeping before I begin the episode. My new book, The Adore Advent Devotional for Teenage Girls, is totally available now and on Amazon, and I'm excited just to bring it to you guys. I got all of mine in the mail just a couple days ago, and they look fantastic. I'm so thankful for how they turned out, and uh, yeah, I I mean, they look great. So if anybody wants to get one of those, go over to Amazon and check them out. I am going to try to offer them also on my website. However, for right now, they're only available on Amazon. Amazon, so you can get those over there for now. And I'll drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode. So if you know a teenage girl, definitely pick up your copy of the Adore Advent Devotional for Teenage Girls or the Teen Girl's Guide to Advent. Sorry, I'm just realizing now that that was definitely more of like an advertisement for myself than it was housekeeping. (laughs) Sorry about that. Either way, get the book. But let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 1. 37 through 46. And just a quick recap, if you weren't able to catch the first two episodes, basically Moses is retelling the law and the history of the Israelites coming out of Egypt to the new generation of Israelites that are about to take the promised land. This is kind of Moses's last farewell, kind of his last words before the Israelites go into the promised land and... Spoiler alert, Moses ends up dying, which we already knew because numbers had already said that Moses was going to die. So where we left off on, was it Wednesday? Yes, we talked about the rebellion or rather the start of the rebellion, how the first generation of Israelites were more interested in their own fear than in following God. And because of that, the rebellion happened and that generation of Israelites were not allowed to take the promised land. And instead, they were going to die in the wilderness. And their children, this generation that Moses is talking to now, are the ones who are going to take the promised land for themselves. So let's see what Moses has to say, because we just left off talking about the end of the rebellion and how now the Israelites weren't going to go into the promised land. So let's read Deuteronomy 1, 37 through 46 this morning. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. as usual. Also, Yahweh was angry with me for your sakes, saying, You also shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, whom you said would be captured or killed, your children, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, shall go in there. I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea." Then you answered and said to me, We have sinned against Yahweh. We will go up to fight according to all that Yahweh our God commanded us. Every man of you put on his weapons of war and presumed to go up into the hill country. Yahweh said to me, Tell them, Don't go up and don't fight, for I am not among you, lest you be struck before your enemies. 
So I spoke to you, and you didn't listen, but you rebelled against the commandment of Yahweh and were presumptuous, and went up into the hill country. The Amorites, who lived in that hill country, came out against you and chased you as bees do, and beat you down in Seir, even to Hormah. You returned and wept before Yahweh, but Yahweh didn't listen to your voice, nor turn his ear to you. So you stayed in Kadesh many days, according to the days that you remained. All right, so the Great Rebellion happened, right? The Israelites refused to go into the Promised Land because they were too scared. The spies had come out of the land, which I argued on Wednesday that the spies, there was no need uh, for them from the beginning. I argued about that. But the spies came out of the land, came back with their cluster of grapes and told everybody how great the land was. But then they were like, but there's fortified cities and there's big people and there's, you know, this and that and everything else. There's no way we're ever going to take this land. So the people got really sad and upset and cried and became so fearful that they were unable to do anything except complain against God. Actually, I believe also at that point, if you read the account in Numbers, the people were getting ready to stone Moses also and to appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. Moses didn't mention that here, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, the people were so angry about all of this stuff that they were like going to stone Moses, you know, kind of crazy. So the Great Rebellion happens. And so Moses starts out here in verse 37, saying that Yahweh was angry with me for your sakes, saying you shall not go in there. I think that's kind of funny because... Moses sort of blames the people here that he can't go into the promised land. But it was definitely, in my opinion, Moses' own fault. I mean, the people were definitely uh, irritating Moses, for sure. But this was not during the rebellion that Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. I mean, God had not said that to Moses right after the rebellion. What happened was Moses disobeyed God many years after that. And ended up striking the rock when God had said just to speak to it. So Moses, in his anger, struck the rock. And I'm not really going to go greatly into depth on what that means. If you're interested in that episode, you'll have to go back to Numbers and check out that one. Um, I don't remember the name of it. I'll find it and link it in the description. But anyway, Moses was angry, struck the rock, and God had told him not to do that. So because of Moses's direct disobedience against God. And also Moses uh, elevated himself to the same level as God as well. God told Moses that he was not allowed to go into the promised land either. So Moses, in a way, kind of did it to himself. I do find it interesting that he he blames the people. <laughs> Yahweh was angry with me for your sakes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can understand a bit of Moses's bitterness because the people just would not listen, like no matter what. And I mean, Moses was very intelligent. He probably remembered a lot of things, a lot of the different things that God had got them through. Like Moses does seem to be a very intelligent human being that was able to remember God's goodness. And so because of this, he was so probably frustrated with the fact that the people just were, were unable to see God's provision and God's goodness. So I can definitely see how Moses is bitter towards the people here, that he is not able to go into the promised land. <laughs> because in a strange way, yes, it was sort of due to the fault of the people because they were crying about the water. And that's why Moses ended up striking the rock to begin with. 
But also Moses just disobeyed God. And that was really the ultimate reason why he was unable to go into the promised land. But here in verse 38, moving on, it says Joshua, the son of Nun, was going to go in there instead. So God basically told Moses, you're going to die in the wilderness, the same as all the other rebellious people did. And instead, Joshua, your attendant, is going to go into the promised land for you. He's going to become the new judge. He's going to become the new leader of Israel. And he's the one that goes into the promised land. And I believe God had also told Moses to encourage him. Yeah, actually, it says that right here. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. So Moses was not supposed to have any jealousy over Joshua for this. Instead, he was supposed to encourage Joshua to help Joshua become the best leader that Joshua could possibly be. And I mean, that makes sense because Moses was a great leader. Like, I mean, you can see how far Moses brought the people and the many things that Moses had to deal with with the people. But I can imagine in Moses's position getting very jealous of Joshua because I'm sure that Moses really did long for the promised land, really did long to see it, long to be the one that would uh, guide Israel to it. So I can see the jealousy here, but God definitely told Moses that he was not supposed to get jealous. Rather, he was supposed to encourage the next generation to take the promised land. So in verse 39, this one's kind of funny and sort of snarky. (laughs) This is God being a little snarky. It says, moreover, your little ones whom you said would be captured or killed, your children will go in there. So if you remember everything that happened with the first account of this story, the Great Rebellion in Numbers, the Israelites were basically like, oh, God hates us so much because, you know, these people taking the promised land isn't going to be as easy as we thought. And these these giants live there. They're going to kill our children. We would rather our children, you know, died in the wilderness or went back to Egypt with us. (laughs) So God is being a little snarky with the people. Your little ones who you said would be captured or killed, your children are the ones who are going to take the promised land. So this rebellious generation, they were being overly dramatic because they didn't want to believe in God's promises. And because of that, they were making up these crazy scenarios in their heads of how their children were going to die. And yet God is saying, no, your kids aren't going to die. In fact, they're going to be the ones to inherit the promised land. And instead, you're stuck here with this wilderness. (laughs) Yeah, God has a sense of humor. He's funny. So then after this, it says, um, as for you, the first generation, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So God's like, yeah, your kids are going to inherit the promised land. However, you're stuck in the wilderness. You're going to die in the wilderness because that's what you asked for. That's what you wanted. That's what you said you wished for rather than the promised land, rather than going into fight. So after all this happens, Moses relays to the new generation what happens next. He says, the people came and repented-ish, <laughs> repented-ish. They said, we have sinned against Yahweh. We will go up to fight according to all that Yahweh our God commanded us. I'm going to be honest, like, um, this reminds me of me when I was a kid. <laughs> a child is told no, and they have like this angry temper tantrum, right? But then um, after everything is over with and they're about to get in trouble, they change their minds and they're just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> I remember doing that when I was a kid. And I think I still kind of do that to this day sometimes. But like, this just makes me laugh because that's what the Israelites did. They were just like, no, no, we don't want this punishment. We sinned, we sinned. They say, we will go up and fight according to all that Yahweh our God commanded us. So they start like preparing for war. And they're about to go into the hill country to try to take the promised land for themselves. And so verse 42, Moses is speaking here. He says, Yahweh said to me, tell them, don't go up and don't fight for I am not among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. So God warned them. He's like, look, you're not going to win. The punishment is already happening. So don't go up and fight. You got your punishment. You're going to have to stay in the wilderness. And that's all there is to it. He says, so don't go up and fight because you will not win and you will end up dying. But the children of Israel did not listen. And they're just like, nope, we're going to do it. We're going to go up and fight. So probably somehow thinking that this like new show of faith would help them. But that's not always how it works. You know, like when we disobey, yes, God is very merciful. And I do believe he gives a lot of second chances. However, at this point in time, the Israelites had gotten many, many, many second chances after their rebelliousness. Because we've talked about like six previous rebellions that the Israelites had had towards God prior to this. And finally, God's like, no, this is it. This is the consequences of your sin. You're going to have to stay in the wilderness. You're not going to be able to go into the promised land. Your children will inherit the promised land. There's actually a verse in the New Testament that says, should we sin more because grace abounds. And I believe that's Paul talking. And he says, no, of course not. Just because God has so much grace, we should not abuse that. We should not abuse God's grace and continue to sin over and over again or continue to be rebellious because eventually God will leave us to ourselves, if that makes sense. And God will say, okay, clearly there's no change happening here. And at that point, God lets us deal with the consequences of our sins. So I think it is important that we do not abuse God's grace, even though it is very abundant and God does uh, give us mercy a lot of times and gives us grace. And the difference between mercy and grace, just to throw this out here, grace is when God blesses us when we don't deserve it. So for example, Jesus coming down to earth to give us salvation, that is just total grace. That is Jesus blessing us when we do not deserve it. Mercy, on the other hand, is God not destroying us when we deserve it. That's the difference in my mind of what the of what grace and mercy are. So God had previously shown a lot of grace to his people. But now at this point in time, God is showing mercy to his people because they deserved something much worse than what they got. Right. And God did not dole out judgment on them. Rather, he just let them deal with the consequences of their sin and told them, don't go up to fight because you did sin and I am not with you and I'm not going to help you win that fight. So this is God showing his mercy. And once again, the people are kind of abusing this, uh, this loving nature of God by pretending to have this faith all of a sudden that they didn't have before. So I do believe that what we can take away from this is that we shouldn't uh, test God. We shouldn't abuse his grace. There's a, a song that I really like called Holy Water. I sing it at my church sometimes. 
And the bridge of that song says, I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that makes me want to change my ways or something like that. And I love that bridge, actually. I think that's a beautiful uh, way to describe God's grace. We do often abuse it. <laughs> we do because God is so loving and we, we take advantage of that. So I do think that we should try to recognize in what areas of our, our life are we abusing God's mercy and grace towards us and try to not do that anymore. <laughs> Hard to do. I don't know. Anyway, the people end up disobeying God once again, going up into the hill country and trying to fight against the Amorites, take that promised land. And the people got beat down. It says even to Horma. So it says that the people came out and chased you as bees do. I mean, they didn't listen to God. God was not with the people. So of course they were not able to go up against the Amorites at this point anymore. God was with his people. He would have given them that strength to go against them. But now his hand had been taken away from them. So to conclude this, it says, So you stayed in Kadesh many days according to the days that you remained. And that's the end of Deuteronomy 1, where Moses talks about the entire history of the rebellion of the first generation. And he's reminding the people, the children that are about to take the promised land, not to follow in the ways of their fathers, not to disbelieve in God, and then also not to abuse God's grace and mercy. Well, friends, thanks for tuning into this episode and go over to the YouTube page and subscribe to it because I am going to be doing more videos very soon. Those are only going to be available on YouTube. I am not going to be doing them on the podcast or anyplace else. So if you want to see more exclusive content, check out the YouTube page P40 Ministries LLC and subscribe to it so that you don't miss a new YouTube video. Faithful listeners, I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope you're enjoying season five and I hope Hope that you just have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Happy listening and God bless. Ooh.